X-Ray. Real Nails Forever. It's the Beer Vana Show. Broadcasting Portland on X-Ray FM and available anywhere on your favorite podcast service. I was trying to give it extra juice, Jeff. Yeah, you know, hot tip, listener. We record these in pairs. And uh, if you ever want to know which is the second one, you can tell by how animated Patrick is. Because we've already been thinking a little bit. No, you know? we haven't. Yeah, so there's a, there's a tip. It's a hot tip. It's a pro tip. All right. Uh, you're Jeff. <laughs> you're Patrick. I'm Done. Patrick, yeah. All right. We, uh, we're here uh, in... Studio North, as Jeff calls it, in the city of Roses, Portland, Oregon. This the Studio North is also Jeff's dining room. Yes. Sometimes his back porch, but today it's his dining room. Uh, I am Patrick Emerson. I am a sometime professor of economics at Oregon State University. Uh, we'll be again starting September 15th. Yeah, it's getting close. Yeah, we're in quarters. Like most universities in the United States have started. By the time... And not me, baby. Yeah, by the time this airs. I'll, you're you're going to be, be teaching. Yeah, you'll salt, salt mines. That's right. So you used to not teach in the fall. I used to not teach in the fall because we're on three quarters. I would concentrate all my teaching in two, which is kind of a way that we could uh, help promote research. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few years ago, they begged me to teach an online version of intermediate micro microeconomic theory for our MPP students online, and I have been doing that in the fall. So I'm actually not master in of, class. Master of public policy. Master of public policy. Thank you. Uh, I'm not in class. I'm on, just doing an online, a sort of traditional asynchronous online. There's no live component. Although I might do a little live since I'm so good at it now. <laughs> I, do, I might add a little live into it. But because it doesn't start till the end of September, I haven't really thought that much about it. <laughs> <laughs> because as we record this, this is September 3rd. Um, just to sort of break through that fourth wall. Yeah. Yeah. September 3rd, we're recording this. Sometimes we pretend that it's a week later. Yeah. But today I'm not. Uh, And I think we start classes September 20 something, whatever that Monday is, 25th. I don't know. 22nd. Anyway, uh, also that gives me a couple of weeks before I have to start thinking about it. 27th would be one. So 20. Yeah. 20th or 27th. Ooh, that's good. I don't know which. And the reason I know that will become uh, uh, obvious present. Well, uh, I should mention that you're Jeff Allworth, author of the Beer Bible Second Edition, out September 28th, which Uh is a Tuesday. Which is a Tuesday, because that's (laughs) when you release stuff. Exactly. And when you want to release a record, actually not anymore, right? But that used to be the day. Like when you were waiting for that big record, you know, Pink Floyd was coming out with The Wall. It would come out on a Tuesday, goddammit. You really date yourself there. Yeah. Well, that, Pink Floyd. That was the first real cash I uh, spent on vinyl album is I went out on a Tuesday and got the wall. Was that, that was like, that was in the seventies. That's like, no, oh. the wall was 1980. It had to be somewhere between 82 and 80. No, it didn't have to be 80 and 80. Uh, I'm going to say 82 to 84, somewhere in there. That's what I'm going to say. You can you can look this up. Uh, we're looking this up. <laughs> I think I was in middle school, so that would make me that would be actually it would be like eighty eighty one something like that. Nineteen seventy nine. Seventy nine. All right, so I was sixth grade, man. <laughs> I had just moved to Madison, Wisconsin. Nineteen seventy. And I went. I ran down to State Street, and I don't remember what the name of the record store on State Street was. It was probably called State Street Records or something like that. And That's, I bought Pink Floyd the Wall. That is forty two years ago. You are oh old. God. 
All right. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to talk about the on vinyl. I put it on my turntable. I listened to it backwards and forwards for months. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know anything about music, but uh, the book industry still does the Tuesday thing, and they're sticking to it. Yeah, and what the hell? I don't know. Why? Who cares? Nobody Tuesday. Cares. Like, nobody. Yeah. Like, Tuesday. Yeah. I would really like to know, hive mind, <laughs> where that Tuesday thing came from. Like, yeah. Why Tuesday? Why is that convention? <laughs> and is that uh, true just in the United States, or is it also true in other parts of the world? I so bet it's Let us know. I bet it's at least true in the Anglosphere, because we get all of our stuff from the U.K., Maybe. Well, at least the publishing stuff we get in the UK. I had some music. What, what I like about the United States is we get stuff from the UK and then we don't give it up. Like exactly. Imperial measure. Like <laughs> Fahrenheit. Like, <laughs> frick that, man. We're going to stick with this. <laughs> They're long since passed and on to a more rational system. But no, we're sticking with it. Yeah, absolutely. Miles. Like we, we, we fought a revolution to, to, to get, get ourselves free from the crown. And yet, damn it, we're still, we're still doing miles per hour. <laughs> Yep. <sighs> okay, I digress. Uh, we, we, we were going to make a point to talk about the weather because I don't think we do that enough. And people are going to be disappointed. It's true. So I will tell you that the weather today was weird because I woke up and there was that orange glow. And you know what that orange glow means? Fire. Wildfire smoke high yeah. in the atmosphere. Though it's uh, not, for the most part, coming from Oregon, uh, which is unusual. And I mean, I don't want it to come from anywhere, but it's kind of nice that our own state isn't burning up right now, uh, which is cool. But it is really a weird, weird. Wait a minute. Did you mean to say it's coming from Washington? Well, I think it's coming. Isn't there a big Canadian store, a big Canadian one? And there's yes. one down by Tahoe, which as we as yes. we uh, yes and yes. as we record this one, the one in Tahoe is a really bad one uh, in the in the country right now. Well, in terms of impact, yeah. Yeah, and there's been a bunch of up in British Columbia. I'm not sure what what we're seeing right now, where this yeah. where the smoke is from. I'm not. I didn't. I didn't anticipate it. Yeah, it's a weird color out there, though. It's a it's a weird apocalyptic looking. Yeah, whenever sky. whenever you wake up and the morning sun is orange, mm -hmm. there is kind of a pall upon the day, and you realize that bad things are happening in some part of the world. Yeah, the crow, the crows seem pensive and weird. <laughs> yeah, as I talked about. Uh, I was recently back east, down east in Maine, to be specific, <laughs> uh, and uh, talking to my family who mostly live in Massachusetts mm -hmm. and then other parts of New England, but mostly Massachusetts. And they were talking about wildfire, wildfire smoke and screwing up their air. And in fact, it probably happened more there than here. From us. From us, yeah. Which is insane. From the Oregon smoke, I know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of how apocalyptic it is. And <laughs> as we talk about, we just, uh, uh, speaking of the Northeast, New Jersey and New York just got pummeled by rain from yep. Ida that smacked New Orleans. And so um, the, the it, message today is climate, climate change is real, folks, and we need to figure this out. Yeah. It's just, this has been a weird couple of years. It'll, it be, is. it'll it'll be nice if we ever get back to something like normal, but uh, yeah, maybe. And and I and the and the fraying of society is yes is is disconcerting. remarkable. It's disconcerting, yeah, because yeah. we got a lot of challenges to 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 deal with, folks. And if we just fray, then there's no chance. Yeah. All right, and happier news. Yes, and uh, so you tune <laughs> in right, to so hear, hear happy news about fear, <laughs> and we we go immediately to the place you're trying to escape. Want to talk about fear? All right, so Jeff. I, I'm going to submit this to you. So I am a subscriber to The Athletic, 
because I am a sports fan, uh-huh. an unapologetic sports fan. And yeah. Athletic is a good place to go to get quality, long-form sports writing. Yes. It's also, it turns out, a good place to get uh, off-the-cuff, knee-jerk, and by the way, they're very explicit about this. They didn't try very hard. Uh, uh, analysis of beers of the Pac-12. Oh. And they do it for the Big Ten and for ACC and things like that. But I'm going to talk about the Pac-12. All right. I would like to know your take. Uh, as we get farther afield, farther afield no, none of us know about this. But I'm going to present to you athletic.com or The Athletic. Do they publish anything? I don't think they publish anything. It's all online. Uh, their beers of the Pac-12, meaning where you would go to get a beer if you were in a college town in the Pac-12. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. So I want to know first, some of these you might not even know. In Arizona, for Tucson, University of Arizona, Borderlands Brewing. Heard of them? Nope. Arizona State Hus Brewing? Yes. Okay. Yes, they do. I think, I believe, the last time I was in Arizona, and I'll be there again uh in a few days, uh, I believe I had purchased a hazy IPA from them. All right. Well, they apparently are uh, near Arizona State, which is essentially Phoenix, but not quite, right? right. Like Tempe yeah. or something. <clears throat> okay. Cal. So this is Berkeley. Fieldwork. Uh-huh. No. Okay. Why don't I know Fieldwork? I should. It feels like I should. I, feel, I know that name. It just feels yeah. like that's a good name. It's in Berkeley. Yeah. This is something we should know. Maybe okay. We should know this. All right. Well, that's good. So this is notes for the future. Yeah. Uh, Colorado. So home of Boulder Beer. Rip, yes. Rip the Boulder Beer. Or I guess they kind of exist in the weird another yeah. world of, yeah. The zombie uh, beer. Upslope. Oh, up yeah. Upslope. Upslope is a big deal. You give them, uh, you, you, you can give them your endorsement? Well, I, you know, I've had, the weird thing is, uh, we drink locally. And so I've had some upslope. It's been mm-hmm. a while. I can't remember, you know, it's kind of fade, fades from memory, but they're, they're, okay. they're, they're well, a well, big and well-regarded brewery or, you know, well-known. And well-regarded All right. But now we're getting into locals. So, yeah. uh, I would like to know what you think they recommended for Eugene, Oregon and what you would recommend. I mean, Nkasi. They did Nkasi. Yes. You got to go to Nkasi. Yeah. And actually Eugene is kind of curious right like they've got some good breweries down there but they don't shine like other smaller towns like for example in corvallis uh which one would i choose or which do i think they chose well both i mean block 15 is you know when i go to corvallis i yeah. drive directly to one place and that's well, exactly I, I have a choice because they have two outlets but yeah I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what they chose and block 15 i'm gonna say this i'm gonna unapologetically say this they're better than anything you'd find in, in eugene yeah well i mean i mean nikazi's it, it, different like nikazi's big packaging brewery so i'm not sort of like comparing apples to apples there probably block saying. 15 i i'm assuming right off i don't know a lot of about, I mean, there's Seattle, so that, that's that's going to be some competition. Block 15 is one of the best breweries in the country, so it's going to be hard to be better than Block yeah. 15. No, I'm just talking about Eugene versus Corvallis, and I'm yeah. an Oregon State prof, so you know. Yeah, I feel I'm I do feel a homer. To go back to the Ninkasi thing, I feel like uh, they are a brewery that people are now overlooking unnecessarily. I think they should return to Ninkasi, and, and maybe we should get uh, Jamie on the on the horn and. and revisit Nkasi because I think they're doing some great work and they've done a thing that a lot of big breweries have not done well, which is continue to attend to the beer and make exceptional beer in a package that's sold at a grocery store. Mm-hmm. They're not competing at that lower tier uh, for you know, 
the, the kind of like the lowest constant on beer. Right. They're really making some really nice beer. So yeah, I just talked them up on a recent pod where we had the IPA taste off, and then I said I was left with a bunch of fridge full of all these old IPAs, and even though they didn't do well, well, not, I mean. Even though they didn't the win. selection was sixteen <laughs> great IPAs, but right. I'm saying even though they didn't like metal or whatever you want to say, uh, I was left with a bunch of IPAs, and I was really enjoying Juicy Domination. The, yeah, the one that we they so the confusion. I don't know if you remember this. Now we're getting really in the weeds, but uh, <laughs> there's that's the podcast, baby. Uh, Let's go. They have another beer that's like just Juicy IPA. Mm-hmm. It's not Juicy Domination. Yes, it's another word that's juicy. That's the beer that I super love, and I thought. When uh. Drinking that in the taste off, uh, which I did not buy that can, so I didn't study it closely. I thought that's what the beer was. And it's a different beer at my local Matador, where Sally and I go buy cheap plated nachos from time to time. Uh, they have a, a few handles of craft beer, and they usually have juicy IPA on, and it's really nice. So there you go. Excellent. And they're doing other great. Ones. Yeah, Ninkazi is a great brewery, uh, and in fact, that's part of my point about the whole Pac-12 is that if you want good, great beer, then Oregon kicks ass. Yeah, and but, what, so let's go to Washington. Like, what, what do they have in Seattle? Yeah, okay. Well, let's let's skip because the one thing in Stanford is there's nothing in Portland. I'm uh, nothing in Portland. Yeah, nothing Palo in Palo Alto, Alto apparently. Yeah. Well, I, I can imagine that uh, uh, real estate there is probably yeah. insane. <laughs> exactly. But fun <laughs> fact: that used to be the headquarters of, and I mentioned this on previous pods. What? Go ahead. Pete's Wicked. Pete's Wicked, <laughs> which actually is going to feed right into the topic today. Oh, yeah, you're right. Wow, That's we're awesome. so good. We don't even know it. <laughs> this is like subconsciously good. Yes, genius. Uh, because when I was a UPS driver in Palo Alto, California, I used to deliver to the Pete's Wicked corporate office, which, of course, it was just an office and there was no actual brewery. That's right. Uh, UCLA, so in uh, Los Angeles, among all the things they could pick, they picked three weavers. Oh, yeah, three weavers. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, woman-owned brewery. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then USC and other Los Angeles, Crowns and Hops. That I don't know. But it's the first black-owned brewery in Los Angeles. Yes, that's what I knew about it. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, so, cool. And yeah. then, uh, well, let's not, let's skip over Utah. I didn't, is Utah part of the Pac-12? How did they get in? Yeah. All right. So uh, here you go. It's this like, is it's gonna like, this is gonna blow your mind. It's like Rutgers being in the in the Big Ten. It's yeah, just it, I know. Forget it's, about it. Forget about it. We're, we're gonna skip over that. But uh, this is gonna blow your mind. Seattle, Washington. So University of Washington, Seattle. Can you guess what brewery they picked? I would guess that they picked uh, Fremont. I would guess they. Uh, well, man, it's really hard. Maybe they picked Georgetown. Georgetown or Fremont. That's my guess. And no, and no, they picked Stoop. Whoa! <laughs> Pull that one out of the hat. Uh, that's pretty cool. Stoop. We visited Stoop. Stoop's great. Yeah, Good I probably would have Rubens, but I didn't expect right. them. There's to Rubens. Rubens. They mention a lot of these. So notables, they have Fremont, Holy Mountain. Uh, Rubens is in there. Yeah. yeah. As they say, then, you, can't, then, you can't go wrong. And then Cloudburst. Okay. And then Washington amazing. State and Pullman. I don't know anything about Pullman Brewing, but Paradise Creek? Yeah, I don't know anything yeah. about Pullman. All right, so there I, you go. That was, little, that was my little digression for the top of the pod there. Uh, I have not been to Eastern Washington in forty years. Uh, as a homer, I'm going to say, "Oh, really? Yeah. I've been to uh, Spokane twice in the last few years." I have not. As a homer, I'm going to say, "Block 15 kicks ass." Go with Block 15. I, I would say that it's the best brewery that you've mentioned. And we shall revisit Block 15 today in today's pod. That's right, as well as. Uh, in the historical segment, uh, Pete's Wicked. 
So wow. So um, that that was amazing. I don't know how I even did that, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, So. Well, let's talk about the fun. I'm a little, I'm impressed myself so much. I don't even know where we are. Not long ago, listener Dan, oh God, listener Dan Cusocreo, Cusocreo. I'm guessing Cusocreo. wrote us with this request. They really enjoyed the episodes you have done on a particular beer style. I'd love to hear more episodes in this vein, especially about important but less trendy styles. Oh, we got you covered. Yeah. We and do. in particular, I was curious if you might consider doing one about brown ales. Yeah, baby. Well, then you asked, and today we delivered. <laughs> there is no style less trendy nor badly named than brown ale. <laughs> but today we'll dig into its roots and see if we can't discover why it was once a beloved tipple in both the United States and the United Kingdom. All that soon, but first, the news. In the news, President Biden quietly issued a 13-page presidential order back on July 9th that may have profound effects on the beer industry. As the Washington Post reports, tucked in the middle were directives about the beer, wine, and spirits industries. The president directed the Treasury Secretary to submit a report within 120 days asserting, assessing sorry, threats to competition and barriers to new entrants, including, among other things, consolidation in the three tiers of production, distribution, and retail. Yeah. And you, I tweeted about this. You tweeted about this. I, I, I scraped it off your Twitter feed. All right. No, 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 it's it's see it's quality over quantity in my Twitter feed. Just to be clear, it's well, it's damn sure not quantity. We but this agree. is fascinating. Like, are yeah. they going to take this seriously? Are they really going to think about the three tier system? And then I also tweeted sort of the big question. And we've had conflicting depending on who you talk to. They have different opinions. But does the the middle tier do do distributors promote or uh, um, constrain? Uh, variety and uh, and competition in craft beer. Yeah, I mean, I think in the current way that it's structured, it's impossible to say that they don't constrain it at the at the tail. You know, the small the small breweries out in the tail. Right. Um, and but they don't necessarily need to. And there's a role for distribution. Uh, certainly, uh, if you completely deregulated deregulated everything, distributors would still exist. They're an important part of the industry. Right, which is exactly my point that I've made. Like, there's no reason to legislate distributors if they're actually providing a service, as they claim, right. an essential service. Then there's absolutely no reason why they have to be legally uh, 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 proscribed. And instead, let the market work and distributors, if they can offer value, will exist. That's Thank right. You. Thank you. I've yeah. spoken. <laughs> I think it's exactly right. Uh, it will be fascinating because it's the first serious – uh, look at that. That's, That's cool. I don't. You have anything? Years, do you know anything about the origins of this? Like no. how it came to? All right. Well, no. It was really shocking to see your tweet, and uh, you know, I follow the news, the beer news, pretty closely, and I hadn't seen anything about that. So it was a real shocker, and so much so that I didn't really have a lot to add beyond just saying, "Well, this happened." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That same. I just sort of popped up. I think on the Washington Post, and I, I subscribed to the Washington Post. Good man. I subscribed to the New York Times. Subscribed to Oregonian because I like to support. That's good. Uh, that's good. Although journalism, talk about the times. Just get rid of that one. But, uh, really? Yeah, I have my troubles at times. 
All right, that'll be for that'll be for our next pod. <laughs> That's right. Uh, wait, are we on to the next? Are we on? I, I would ask the same question about the New York Times that you just asked about distributors. <laughs> uh, are they really necessary, or just a blight on the media uh, environment? Yeah, anyway. they've they've come under a lot of criticism. I, I'm suspecting the way in which they cover. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, well, we'll talk about that in in modern newspapers today, which is. Our podcast <laughs> comes out every other Thursday. That's right. And it's just like newspapers, dying slowly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I support, I like to support journalism that's, and it's, the business model is dead. So yeah, they're struggling. Right. And so I just give money. Yeah, that's really basically. good. Yeah. It's very good. All right. Uh, in the second item, uh, which is also news of the sort of personal, I was startled to read a piece in the New York Times, New York Times. Uh, oh, you you deign to read it. Uh, I used one of my one of my monthly uh, click throughs, and I still had one, so I read this article. Uh, anyway, that my beer bible publisher, Workman uh, Publishing, has been sold to Hachette, the world's third largest publisher. Hachette lauded Workman's quirky approach and promised not to change things too much, but it certainly rattled me. Workman doesn't publish many beer books, but one of its subsidiary story does and that's the actually the imprint that published uh secrets of master Brewers. right uh, and they also publish uh tasting beer by randy mosher which is a pretty big title in beer mm-hmm. um so it, you know it's it's going to be interesting to see how they do what they do with this the thing that workman does is they built the backlist so they they really invest in every single title uh-huh. and they try to build a backlist so that it continues to sell year after year this is absolutely not the approach in publishing now Wait a minute, what does that mean to build a backlist so uh instead of instead of um publishing a book quickly hoping that uh it will uh you know, find an audience, find a big audience yeah. and then be a big rainmaker. They go for titles that they think will continue to sell well for years uh, and decades right. over a period of time. Right. The backlist is old titles that are still in print. Right. Uh, gotcha. And it used to be that that in the 1950s, that was the approach to publishing. Everybody was trying to big, build these big backlists and they would uh, find writers uh, who they felt they could work with throughout their career. Yeah, kind of developed this partnership, and it's really switched to the movie model where you're trying to get the next Marvel blockbuster, right? And uh, you don't mind having a whole bunch of books fail. So it's interesting, and that's of course Hachette's approach. So we'll see if they carry that through to Workman. Uh, everybody at the publisher was kind of shocked uh, when this happened, and you know it's impossible to say how how it'll turn out. Yeah, Hachette owns Workman, so whatever pretty talk they're offering now, they're absolutely not obligated to follow through with. So yeah, we have yeah. seen that with breweries. <laughs> yep, we'll see. Uh, I was going to say maybe it'll open up new markets for you, but then again, I found the beer bible at uh, the Livaria uh, Cultura in Sao Paulo, uh, Brazil. So it got it, it it traveled. Yeah, Workman does a great job. They're absolutely fabulous. Uh, I have to give them big big praise, but. Part of the reason I, I mentioned uh, this topic, it came at a timely moment, yep. was because I'm about to go on a book tour. Grand tour, world tour. Grand world tour, which I mentioned on our last podcast, uh, kicks off very soon on September 23rd, a Thursday here in Portland at Gigantic. But then uh, I will be on a, on, a, on a grander tour throughout the country. Uh, 
perhaps coming to a location near you. And, you know, I would really love, uh, and I will be publishing uh, this information on social media and my blog and everywhere else. So I won't, I won't go through the whole thing right now. Uh, but I've partnered in uh, the places I'm, I'm traveling with uh, cool breweries, uh, in some cases uh, a pub uh, here or there, but really cool places that I would love to visit. And we're going to have a nice program. So, you know, please, if you listen to this podcast and you like it, uh, it would be great to see you. If you don't live in Portland and you want to come see me talk about beer, I will be talking about it with other people, in some cases doing fascinating other stuff with me. Like in Baltimore, I'm going to be at the Guinness Brewery, of course, uh, and I'm going to be doing a live podcast uh, at the brewery. So it will not be with you. Although maybe we can patch you in. We haven't talked about that yet. That's coming up. I've, yeah. How come this is the first time hearing about this, yeah, man? Yeah, sorry. You got to buy me out if you want to go live solo, baby. All right. I will pay you exactly what you're already paid. <laughs> I will meet your current, your current price. As long as you bring me back some beer from Guinness, I'll be fine. I will, uh, I, I will, I will definitely do that. Uh, and in San Francisco, you're going to be at Bear Bottle Brewing Company, I hear. That's correct. I'm going to actually, in the Bay Area, I'm going to be at two breweries, which is the only, the only city I'm going to be at two breweries, at, at East Brother, uh, which is a brewery yeah. that had uh, uh, some of their lagers. Over in Richmond. Over in Richmond, exactly. Yep. Uh, and then, and then in San Francisco proper, I'm going to be at Bear Bottle. At Bear Bottle in Bernal Heights or something like that. And what I wanted to mention about Bear Bottle is that you have passed on a bunch of their beer to me, uh, all of which is good and some of is fantastic. Their brewer, whose real name is John, uh, <laughs> goes by the nickname Magic, which is super cool. Ooh. Magic came up and we went, uh, met him at uh, Wayfinder and he. He unloaded, he handed me a, a great store of beer. Yeah, you gave me a ton, and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, 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 all of it, as I said, is quite good. Some of it is amazing. Um, but what I wanted to mention is that on, well, <laughs> the other thing is it's all in cans, which I find ironic since it's called the Bear Bottle Brewing Company. I know. I, we, we talked about that, I think, probably. The, Did we? The innovation. No, uh, I talked about it. Oh, okay. magic. <laughs> it's like, that's really interesting. And he's like, yeah, yeah. So that, okay, that happens. That, yeah. That happens. <laughs> happens when package changes happen. But what I'm really impressed with, and I think this is fantastic because I think brewers are far too precious about this, is that they, on every can, have the complete recipe for their beer, a, a homebrew version, a five-gallon recipe of the right. beer in the can. Yeah, including formulation, how including to do everything. it. Including everything. Yeah. Like, so, it's, a, it's a full recipe. Yeah, totally. Including like uh, mash temperatures and times and everything. Yeah, it's and I awesome. think that's fantastic. <laughs> like really here, cool. here's my beer. You go try to make it yourself, because one, these are homebrewers. Like you're never going to be able to. Maybe once you'd be able to create a beer as good as you're getting in the can, right? And you'll never be able to recreate it, probably, right? And it just is a perfect way to to show. Yeah, it's you know, it's there's nothing you know. We're not doing anything magic. There's nothing terribly mysterious about anything. You, the, the ingredients are that that complex. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I just thought that was fantastic. And if I was a home brewer, I would be really excited. It's true. Um, it's, and it's a cool way to connect to the most avid members of the beer community. So yeah. like, I give them props for that too. Yeah. And you're not like, yeah, you're not really giving away anything. It's not IP. <laughs> any, it's good, just yeah, <laughs> any good brewer can probably dissemble most of what you did and figure out how to do it. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, so, uh, and I think it's really cool that Bear Bottles in San Francisco proper. And it turns out there's a few now. Uh, I know. Proper. I was kind of shocked because it's so expensive there. Uh, I mean, you know, of course, San Francisco is an old industrial city. It's a port town. Yes, and so there, absolutely. there are a lot of places that are still um, industrial facilities. They just sit on really expensive property. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it was a working town for most of its existence this this current incarnation is sort of weird yeah i'll be excited to to to, uh to hear about your visit to both east brother and bear Bear bottle but uh okay well we should probably turn to the topic of the day yeah maybe i will be i I, we'll see it's possible that i'll be bringing back interviews from that that we can uh work with on the pod here not not live so the the thing in Guinness is it's going to be in front of a studio audience i'm just we're going to record it live nice if that if we can pull that off and they are confident they can pull it off. It seems like a little high wire acting to me. Well, it would only take a first class ticket and uh, and a five star hotel to bring me out there. To, I will. I will definitely let them know about okay. that. Yeah. yeah, please do. <laughs> Make them understand, however, that I don't. You know, business class. Come on. And you don't probably want you want to fly direct. I assume. Yeah, and no rental cars. Like I expect a driver and yeah. car. Yeah, and no. Yeah, don't fly direct. Absolutely. Yeah. God, uh, God forbid you should have to get I'll, out no air. I will do, I you know, I will do like a private NetJets if that's, you know, they, uh, I'm, I'm, that's okay with me. All right. I'll let them know. No. Because really the show is nothing without me. <laughs> I just want that clear. It's, the truth is, as, as people would quickly quick to point out, it's nothing with you. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right. On that, on, that, on that happy note, let's turn to the sexiest topic of all, which is what everybody wants to know about. Brown ales. Yeah, baby, brown ales. So go, do your thing. Brown ales. Well, it is a sad kind of state of affairs that people have. The the brown ales have become so unpopular because there are many styles uh, uh, that are focused on malt, which is essentially what we're dealing with with brown ales. And they're not all hated, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> not all hated. Doppelbach is a brown lager, and people really revere it. So mm-hmm. why would they hate brown ales? But I think it's a it's a marketing challenge. Somebody should, you know, if we could go back two hundred years uh, and tell them, don't call it a brown ale. Yeah, it really it really doesn't quite sort of sing no. when you mention brown ale. It's not yeah. something that really excites the mind and the senses in a way that it's a sh- else, it's yeah. a shame because you know. Uh, before we get too far into these, just, just, just to, I just want to make the distinction out the outset that there are lots of brown ales that come from the little country of Belgium. Yep. And we're not talking about those. That's right. And also brown lagers. We're not talking about those. We're talking about the beers that come through the, the, the British tradition, started the British tradition uh, way back when. We're going to get show how far back they go. Um, and then the ones that came to the United States and, and how they came here. And you managed to suss out a couple of years that actually are really important uh, connective tissue about how they got here. That's, so that's right. That's good, good on you. Getting back to the point that I'm the, I'm the real talent here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you got real lucky, which is good. I appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah. So let's start in Britain. And we can go back um, – you know, at a certain point, you can go back infinitely far because uh, malt was was traditionally darker malt. So most of the beer, before they figured out how to indirectly kiln right. uh, malt, which is to say not right over a fire, mm-hmm. um, that fire turned, <laughs> turned the malt brown. And so beer was always brown. Right. Uh, and and um, there's a wonderful little uh, 
quatrain couplet something from uh, I, I don't know it's been too far since I've had a poetry class to remember what this is but from uh, a poem from John Milton where he mentions in 1645 uh, the nut brown ale which uh, we will talk about later but um, I, will, I will now read to you from John Milton please and young and old come forth to play on a sunshine holiday by the way in the original uh, these words were really spelled exotically. I wrote them down so that I would not stumble over their weird exotic spelling. And it's important that you stopped in the middle to, to explain this. <laughs> and young and old come forth to play on a sunshine holiday till the livelong daylight fail, then to the spicy nut brown ale. Wow. John Milton, 1645. 1645. And you then, come here for culture and learning and you get it. You get it. Yeah. You get it. Uh, and I like how you're off to the nut brown ale. We should say that uh, at a certain point. I'm off to the IPA. Yes. Then to the spicy nut brown ale. Uh, so at the time, everything was brown. Yeah. And Why was, bother calling it brown? Well, and I, 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 think, I think that there were other names for other stuff. Other beers. There was a. There were. There were brown beers, and there was the the precursor to porter mm -hmm. was a kind of brown ale, and, right. and even porter itself was kind of a brown beer to begin with. Yeah. There was a proto porter that was much more brown than black, mm -hmm. and the these beers were made out of a brown ale, which I've mentioned uh, before, which is this acrid, smoky thing that they just threw on top of a fire, and it actually popped, so it would like explode like uh, uh, popcorn. Right. Terrible. Terrible <laughs> brew. <laughs> Apparently made terrible beer. Uh, <laughs> so that that was the old crappy beer. And then eventually when it when it became order and then and the later stout, they they realized that if you took that terrible beer made with that popcorn browning brown malt uh, and put it in a in a barrel where retinomyces could get at it, it would actually improve it a great deal. Right. But this was the pre improved version. Uh, that was that was uh, probably I, I I just imagine it was not especially interesting or special beer. Right. Um, but if we go forward uh, all the way, so that kind of existed and, you know, it became Porter and, uh, and, and then Brown Ales as such sort of faded until around 1900 hmm. when a brewery in London called Mann's released weirdly a 2.7% Brown Ale. And this was in the period of time in Britain when there were all the nutritional beers. Uh, yes. So this was a, a time there was like nursing stouts and invalids <laughs> beer and all, all, all this stuff where uh, science had kind of been like, you know, modern medicine had kind of become a thing and uh, doctors had, had gotten some currency as authorities that people trusted instead right. of like the people who, who where you would go to die. Mm -hmm. um, they would wear lab coats and talk about things. And so there were the, all these kind of nutritional beers being made in Britain at the time. And, right. and so I think the 2.7% uh, man's was, you know, kind of a part of this whole movement towards healthy, healthier beers. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have to imagine it wasn't that interesting. So this, that's, that's way, <laughs> that's way less uh, alcohol, even than a mild, right. uh, you know, so it's very, very weak. But then not so long later, uh, it was successful, weirdly enough. It sold well. Mm -hmm. And in the north, they started making uh, brown ales that were stronger, right. including 
one of the ones we have here, kind of the most famous brown ale, maybe even one that people uh, don't think of. You know, it's just so common, you kind of forget that it's a brown ale, but yep. it's, it's Newcastle, yep. of course. Uh, and you, you found go. a really bizarre version of Newcastle. Well, not a bizarre mind. version, but I figured I found a new version of Newcastle. And, you know, we talked about this before the pod, but I actually remember reading something about the rebranding, the new labels and stuff of Newcastle. Because Newcastle had a really classic label for years and years and years. Yeah. Uh, typified by the big blue star in the middle, which they've kind of kept in the new label. But now the new label is like, I don't know crafty beer of circa 1998 yeah that's exactly what it looks like yeah. you're right that's exactly <laughs> correct and but, it's in a bottle even it's in a, it's in a, it's in a classic uh legacy style stubby bottle brown bottle yeah it looks just like yeah it's totally it looks like it's a 25 year old craft beer yeah uh so interesting choices <laughs> <laughs> but for a while newcastle sort of had its moment in the united states you could get newcastle on tap here and there that's and, right it was kind of a big deal it was a relatively well-selling aftermarket import. Yeah, and kind of at the time, by the way, and, and people are going to kill me for this, but as the Premier League soccer was starting to find traction in the United States, Newcastle uh, Football Club was actually doing decently well. Mm -hmm. uh, they were pretty good at the time, and they had Newcastle Brown Ale as their shirt sponsor, so right smack dab in the front of their shirt. So there's a number of ways in which the zeitgeist sort of worked in the United States. What, what is the Newcastle... What are they? The Newcastle Geordies? <laughs> well, people from Newcastle are Geordies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, they're known as the Magpies, uh, colloquially, because they're in black and white. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, but it's just uh, Newcastle FC, I think. That's it. Uh, <laughs> and they suck, because they're <laughs> bought by this horrible guy and who's a bad business person and a bad football owner. and. Oh, that's a shame. And there used to be, you know, they're one of the really big clubs in England, but um, but they haven't done well. Uh, interestingly, this bottle of Newcastle Brown Ale was brewed by Lagunitas, which is very interesting. We were surprised to see on the and the, the, the small like, print that it was uh, brewed in Chicago, Illinois, by Lagunitas. Well, Petaluma and Chicago. Oh, Petaluma and Chicago. This one right. probably from Petaluma. That's right, probably. given proximity. Uh, and they have some stupid pun I'm not even going to grace. Dignify. Dignify by reading <laughs> on the table. So it's just a weird mishmash. Yeah. Uh, so Lagunitas was bought out by Heineken, which must have also bought out uh, Newcastle. Yeah, it must have been. And it's probably news that we knew years ago. But anyway, I'm going to pour some. Excellent. Uh, so I found it. This probably explains why you can still get Newcastle in the United States. It's kind of a weird yeah, – it's all weird. Have some. And... All right. So, Jeff, brown ales. The first thing I'm going to state is that this beer is brown. Brown. <laughs> uh, and it's definitely brown. And brown is the color you'd call it. And it, it's, it's pretty dark. It's not quite porter dark, but it's a dark brown. It is. It's and quite, it's actually quite a nice color. By it's, the way. It, that's uh, the thing. I don't know why. People have an animus toward the color brown, but uh, a rich. Right, this is not the Newcastle chestnut. brown ale I remember. This is locally brewed and fresher, I think, than that could, that could definitely the be. Newcastle Brown Ale, I remember. Yeah, that could definitely I'm be. sorry, I, I cut you off. Go ahead. Uh, well, just to say that uh, the the color brown can be quite beautiful. And in this case, we put we poured them into our, our Rosenstadt uh, Munich dimple glasses, which are very much like classic uh, 
mild glasses mm-hmm. that you'd get in the UK. So quite cool. And what those facets do is expose the clarity and the kind of beautiful copper highlights underneath, which yeah. is really gorgeous. Yeah, it really is quite a pretty beer. Um, so I don't know why and people it, feel bad. It has about an copper. amazing nutty, roasty Oh, yeah, nose. this is totally a different beer. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I've never had a Newcastle Brown Ale like this before. No, this is uh, – it's actually – so in my memory, it was a pretty watery and sweet beer mm-hmm. uh, that didn't have a lot too. of character. Exactly. That's my memory. And not very much. Yeah, go ahead. It, I was going to say, it got shipped across the Atlantic in clear bottles, and there's a lot that goes wrong in that process. Yeah. It, 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 did not, it was not an especially uh, roasty beer. It was kind of like cola flavored. Yeah, I'm surprised at the roastiness of this. Yeah, It's exactly. really roasty and nutty, yeah. like really prominently roasty and nutty. Very uh, uh, malts are prominent, hops are not. Mm-hmm. Which was the case of the original as well, or the one that you would, yeah, you would find in. Uh, so I imagine that you can find Newcastle all over the U.S. because Heineken's probably pushing it. I, yeah, I guess that's that's probably true too. So I should mention that um, Newcastle. Was became one of the biggest breweries uh, in the UK and became one of the big five Scottish in Newcastle um, mm. before apparently it's sailed to Heineken, which I did not follow super closely. <laughs> uh, those those breweries all the big the big breweries all got laid waste to at some point. Mm. Um, you know when 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 the palates shifted away from English brewing to lager brewing in the UK, which is overwhelmingly what people drink in the UK is lagers, just yes. like it is in the United States. Yeah. But in the, so in the early, uh, in the early 20th century though, to get back to our story, the, the North began to make these brown ales and they made them stronger and drier than man's. Man's at 2.7, uh, was a, quite a sweet beer. And I don't know, I've never had that beer. I don't know what it would taste like. It seems not like a very interesting beer, but yeah. you know these, these were these were maybe twice as strong, uh-huh. uh, or uh, over four percent when they were being made, and they were you know part of a kind of a working class northern ethos. Uh, Newcastle's a really working class place, and it was also popular in Yorkshire. There were Yorkshire breweries making them, including uh, though. <laughs> So I don't think it was actually one that people knew that much about. <laughs> uh, at least in the UK, is another one that you brought, which is fantastic because this actually is going to get us closer to the United States, which is Sam Smith's Nut Brown, uh, which at the start of the craft beer thing uh, was one of the few imported English beers. The United States was Sam Smith's. Yeah, so Sam Smith is a weird. I don't even know how to begin this. It's a weird. It it it, it exists in its own little universe, uh, uh, and Jeff and I have talked about this ad nauseum on the pod. But since people tune in now, we'll just give a brief uh, overview. So, um, Sam Smith is a brewery in Tadcaster, correct? Uh, in England, and there were two brothers in Yorkshire. In Yorkshire, yeah. Sorry, Samuel and John. Yep, and they both form breweries in Tadcaster which is in Tadcaster which is tiny yeah you could walk from one end of Tadcaster to the other in five minutes it and, is a tiny little town and John Smith became a behemoth a humongous hulking brewery that hulk, that literally looms over the town yeah you know what it's possible that actually Newcastle was brewed at 
the John Smith version? John Smith, I bet. I can't confirm that. Let me see. All right. Well, while you're investigating that, I'll I'll go on and say the Sam Smith Brewery is yes, it? yes. <laughs> wow, we're good. Look at this. We're just Amazing. like like wheels within wheels, man. Gears within gears. Nice. So the Sam Smith Brewery is this little tiny uh, Victorian era brewery that has very consciously decided not to modernize. Um, it's a tiny little brewery relative to John Smith's, but it had this weird thing that it started exporting their beer in the United States. It found a real market. And so it has this outside impact on the United States that's completely disproportionate to its actual stature in England. Yeah, they, there are, as is usually the case in, in uh, England, where you have breweries, uh, old traditional breweries, they have a series of pubs, uh, which are tenants. Uh, that buy the brewery, buy the pub, uh, buy the beer from the brewery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Sam Smith's are famous for uh, a few things, the, the Sam Smith's pubs. One is that uh, they are they don't have televisions. They don't allow you to use a cell phone. They're right. very, very, very old school. And we visited the brewery. We were shocked to find that they were using coal to fire, coal the, fires. <laughs> to fire the coppers. You really want to get the – if you really want the Dickin, the Keynesian – uh, experience, go to a Sam Smith's pub. That's right. And, and in the pub, they were, had a coal fire. Uh, so that's weird. Um, you're not allowed to swear in them. You can Please, run sir, out. may I use my cell phone? No. <laughs> Sam. And if you swear about not being able to use your cell phone, you'll be run out. Um, and, and then the other thing is the beer is incredibly cheap. It's famously cheap. Ah. And there's an English writer. And delivered to the pubs in Wooden barrels in, in by draft horses. In, in, yeah, near the brewery, uh, further away. Uh, I think they 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 can't afford to do it that way. Well, they yeah. just whip the horses a little hard. Let's <laughs> get them moving down the A. Get the A one. There's an English <clears throat> there's an English writer who visits these and and just he's like got a blog series where he talks about how weird it is to go to uh, uh, Sam Smith's brewery uh, ah. pubs. It's pretty interesting. Well, you should uh, you should. I'll link to that. Link to that and yeah. send it to me because I'd like to read that. All right. I'm going to oh, – by the way, as we're talking, what we have is Sam Smith's Nut Brown Ale, which has been in the United States for decades. That's right. And here we go. And harkens apparently back all the way to John Milton and his Nut Brown Ale. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Oh, my gosh. It's foaming over. You got a little beer on your table, Jeff. Well. Such is the cost of – ah, look at you. <laughs> Oh, I still have beer in my glass. I better do something about that. Ooh, that's that's even darker. Is it? Do you think it's darker? I think it's just a tad lighter, actually. It's hard to say. It's it very similar. Yeah, <laughs> very similar in color, very similar in darkness. Ah. This one has that. The difference is the Atlantic journey, I think. It doesn't have that fresh... Um, nutty roasty nose so here here is from wikipedia which i quickly skated over to when i was trying to figure out the john smith info authority on all things yeah here here this is super fascinating in 2015 it was announced i really wish people write better it was not announced somebody announced it (laughs) let's probably say the brewery announced that caramel coloring which had been used since the beer was launched would be removed for health reasons instead roasted malt would be used to darken the beer this is, is Newcastle or Sam Smith? Uh, Newcastle. Newcastle. That's yeah. Newcastle. So yeah. I'm guessing that uh, we have not had a beer since before 2015. Yeah. <laughs> we're back in the old caramel coloring, no roasted malt days. That's right. So <laughs> it does at least confirm our uh, our description of the old beer. 
Oh, so, that's good. That yeah. is a huge improvement. Oh, yeah. So this one also, the yeast character is mm-hmm. really pronounced on the nose, yes. which is a big, big piece of Sam Smith's yeah. uh, brewery. They had a lot the of Yorkshire those. squares, yeah. open fermenters. And really characterful yeast, which yeah. is popping here. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. that's that's less like in your it's, it's less sort of that freshy pop roasty nutty, but it's got more complexity by far. Yeah, it's got a kind of a vinous note in yeah. there. There's a little something a little uh sherry like almost. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not a it's not a it's not a booze thing, it's a it's the flavor. Yeah. Because it's not a, it's not a strong beer. As you say, I think the the, the yeast in the fermentation add a ton of character that you wouldn't otherwise get. Yeah. Uh, and I can, they have really hard water and I can detect that too. Yeah. It's 5%, which for an English beer is pretty strong. Yeah. So the Samson's brewery is amazing. Uh, it's hard to get in and visit, so I won't recommend it, but, uh, it's a Victorian brewery. They've got their own big giant pile of coal. They've got a, a, a well on site where they get their water. They've got draft horses and stables. All of this in this tiny little brewery right in the middle of Tadcaster. They have a cooper. They have a cooper Yeah, uh, that keeps, takes care of their barrels. It's an amazing place. And they have an old gravity-fed Victorian-era brewery where you climb up to the very top uh, to start the process, and it comes out in the bottom. If you if you try these beers at home, which uh, you can find most places in the United States, we will find Newcastle and uh, Sam Smith's. They're quite different, and it's interesting. I feel like this, the Newcastle is much more an American presentation, so it, yeah. it, 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 has, it has modernized itself by becoming more American, whereas the Sam Smith really tastes English yeah. uh, right down yeah. the line. About so, halfway down the tower, you encounter the fermenters. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you on that. No, no, I didn't. I just it occurred to me that uh, I should explain this because we mentioned Yorkshire Square. So right. about halfway down the gravity process, you got to ferment the beer. And they're in these big open square fermenters that are about, uh, I'm trying to remember, 10 feet by 10 feet, 15 feet by 15 feet, something like that. And there's a whole like array of them. Uh, so it's, you know, it's this amazingly ancient process. That Yeah. And the way it works, too, is it, the squares are this kind of clever system where they have, they're stacked on top of each other. Mm-hmm. There's two squares stacked on top of each other and one, and they have a hole in the middle. Mm. And so it starts fermenting and the foam goes up into the top one and they right. scoop that off right. and then it drains back down. And actually, uh, they have different setups because in other ones, they don't have, uh, oh, maybe they do. Maybe the upper square is the one where they spray the, there's a, their, their, their beer, their yeast has gotten so uh, adapted to the squares that it drops out of suspension pretty fast <laughs> and they have to spray it back right. on top. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly why they've got these little fan sprayers yeah. on the top of the, of the top square that yeah. keeps spraying it back down. Yeah. yeah it's really fast for that. And then I think they also have these ancient coolers. Is that the place where we saw the ancient, uh, little waterfall coolers? Yeah. Though they only use that on their India. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, that was one of the best experiences, the best brewery visits I've ever had. Cause it's just such an anachronism. And it's, it, it's a neat place. Yeah, it's true. It's very weird. So the way this got to the United States is really uh, Sam Smith's, I think, was probably incredibly important. More, I think, than Newcastle Brown, which did have kind of the glamour mm-hmm. of a mass market beer. And I think people probably was not inspiring a lot of craft brewers. But Sam Smith's book, you know, was hugely influential, weirdly. It, would, it I think, would surprise people in the UK. <laughs> but yeah, actually, I'll just stop for a second and say, I think most people in the UK would be amazed at how this tiny little brewery 
that's like weirdly anachronistic Victorian era brewery in Tadcaster in Yorkshire in the UK had this astounding impact on the craft beer industry in the United States. Early yeah. on, yeah. it was the beer. It was the reference beer. It was. Yeah, it really was. Uh, they made, <laughs> it's amazing. They made a porter. Uh, you know, every American made a porter. They made a stout, an imperial stout. Mm-hmm. People made imperial stouts. Uh, of course, they made their, their their bitter. I don't know if they called it a pale here. I can't remember mm. how that worked. And then they had this nut brown. And, you know, these are all styles that were originally brewed in every brew pub in America. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, it basically started the whole thing. Yeah. So to go to the UK and then realize that it was almost a completely inconsequential <laughs> was just amazing to us. Yeah. And we would tell people where we were going and we would say Sam Smith's and they would kind of give us a, a look like, why? Yeah. What? Like, what? Why go there? So anyway, uh, but but what happened is it did it did really influence that that first generation in the United States mm-hmm. and uh, breweries like to go back to the uh, discussion that we were having earlier, mm-hmm. uh, Pete's Wicked, which was hey yeah, there you go. yeah back to back to Pete's Wicked back to Palo Alto California they they decided we'll start a brewery and our main flagship style will be a brown ale, <laughs> <laughs> which is almost inconceivable now. But they didn't call it brown ale; they called it Wicked. They called it Wicked, but it was a brown ale. Yeah, and. Um, it was, you know, the American approach was to basically use our own crappy base malt, which I think <laughs> under, undermined the, the, the character of the beer somewhat and, and create flavor through caramel and mm-hmm. roasted malts, mm-hmm. which, which does work, but it, but it definitely creates a different palate. You don't get that same bready undercurrent. Like you, I'm really getting that in the Sam Smith's here. Sam there's Smith, a, yeah. yeah, there's a real quality of those base malts that you just don't find in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's much more of the, the specialty malts that come through in, a, in an American brown. Right. Yeah, the sort of bready, biscuity. Mm. That's really pleasant here. It's, a, it's quite a nice beer. Actually. Yeah, actually, I was going to say, I haven't had this in a long time. And I'm really surprised at how much I'm enjoying it. Yeah, totally. Me too. It's it, And it also tastes so English. And it's interesting because the Newcastle, I was quite surprised at how much I enjoyed that. But this is just a whole new level of complexity and richness and depth that the Newcastle doesn't have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, the, the you know, the American approach uh, sort of died out with the coming of hops. And so by, by the year 2000... Uh, I don't think Pete's was out of business yet, but it was headed that way. Mm-hmm. They are gone now. Uh, Browns were not a good horse to back, it turns no. out. Um, and you just it's almost impossible to find this style anymore. I, I was joking. All right, I was telling Patrick before we started that I was uh, – I will, I will not mention the brewery in case he releases this beer. I was encouraging a brewer to uh, brew a brown ale. And I said, but you shouldn't call it brown ale. And he said, oh, no, 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 I'd call it pub ale. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's commercial death now to make these beers, even though uh, the malts now, we have access to these insane malts. The, the malting, the, the range of malts that we have available in the United States now are so dense that you could, I think, make some wonderful brown ales, yeah. you know, that you could get a huge amount of character. You could build all kinds of character. And I wonder, and I have a sense that that might be sort of the next frontier. I mean, we're always producing new hops, so that's always going to be. But I think that this, uh, that the the range and availability of quality malts in the U.S. I hope creates this new sort of emphasis on malt forward beers and really starting to to express those malt characters that I think we've mostly 
ignored in the U.S. Yeah, I feel I feel that way too, and 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 I and I think if there were a way to get people to try a brown ale without thinking about uh, what. I, I'm not sure what the objection is, so it's a little bit hard to know how, how you navigate around that. But uh, but if people could just taste the beers for what they are, yeah, I, I think they're you know they're very familiar to a- anybody who you know they're 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 all those flavors of, of malts which are familiar from the bread side. So mm-hmm. it, it's not a big leap to to enjoy these, and maybe that's why maybe it's too close. Maybe that's one reason people are not so excited about malty beers now. They're well, not as exotic. I don't know. I mean, I feel like. We've done the hop thing, and now and now lagers are really having a renaissance. And so I, I'm I'm hopeful that that these malt forward beers might have a renaissance in the future. Yeah, me too. I I I, I would love. Uh, I I just was actually at Skagit Valley Brew uh, malting. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Yeah, I know because you have a hundred pounds of malt in your living room. <laughs> they they, <laughs> they presented me with a parting gift. As you do. <laughs> Yeah, well, their their package is bigger than a brewery. Maybe I can't. Uh, yeah, we'll make some beer out of that. That'll be sweet. Let's do it. Uh, Wait a minute. Yeah, hundred pounds. Yeah, we can we can match that. Yeah, I think we can sweep. Yeah, so, I, was, I was looking at what when it kind of malt it is, but I have I have. Oh, it's really pretty cool. Now we're really we've gone a little bit off topic, but one of them we we uh, sorry this is a digression, but it's beer. They, they uh, that's right. They they made. From their base malts, three pilsners, which oh. they bottled, and and I sat down and we tried them. Uh-huh. And one of them was this thing called Franson, which is an old uh, barley from uh, maybe it's not old. It's a barley from Czech, and apparently Franson means malt, so mm. it's like malt malt or barley. It might mean barley, but it's like barley barley, barley malt. Yeah. or it's something. It's it's pretty. Uh, it's a generic word. But of the three that we tried, I really fell in love with that one. And ah, so, so you uh, have that. You have the malt here. Yeah. In a 50-pound bag. I do. Sweet. And I also have 50 pounds of Vienna because I really, really, really want to try to make a a classic uh, Anton Dreyer era Vienna lager, or as they say in Vienna, Wiener lager. Wiener lager. Wiener lager. Uh, made out of Vienna malt. So now I have plenty if we want to do that. By the way – now we're completely in the weeds. Yes. But I'm half drunk, so it's okay. <laughs> but you remember the, the, the fast food chain Wiener Schnitzel? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, what the hell? It had nothing to do with Vienna nor Schnitzel. It was like a hot dog joint. Yeah, but I think a Wiener, a Wiener is a hot dog. I mean, a Wiener, there's a Wiener sausage. Okay. And I, I think probably that's originally. That's not a Schnitzel. I don't know where the Schnitzel comes from. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, uh, oops, as I should have done this in the microphone. As we've established, I'm really bad with German language. <laughs> but it's okay. It's Austrian, so it's not really the same thing. They still speak but German there. No, as a joke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, was, uh, so now we're going to get domestic. And yes. This, and this was a challenge. So this was my challenge. Kudos this to you. And now we're, we're bringing her back around again. And and yeah, and and to wheels within wheels, block fifteen in Corvallis, Oregon has a squirrel stash brown ale that I was able to acquire that's packaged. Awesome. I did find two local breweries that are making brown ales but not packaging them. One is Ex Novo, does a brown ale, and the of other course. is Away Days, which is sort of that British. Of course. Both, yeah. both, both breweries that uh, so, tip of the hat to the So bricks. to Ex Novo and Away Days, I, I looked. I couldn't find. the Block 15, kudos to you. We have the squirrel stash brown ale that we're going to try now. All right. 
I'm excited to try this because uh, the brewer there, the owner brewer, Nick Arsner, he really, really appreciates traditional styles and he likes to make beers that if he's making a traditional style, he likes to make it traditionally. And of course, right. he also, and, and look at, so I'm just looking exactly at the like color. The other yeah. Yeah. And it's like maybe slightly lighter, but essentially the same color as the Newcastle, as the Sam Smith. And we should say all three of these beers is interesting. Uh, one way that you can really tell that it's not a porter or a stout is they have uh, heads that are basically white. I mean, really, really pale heads. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It is a little bit lighter. And it's thick. a, but it's boy, it sure is just crystal clear. And it has that, and it has the same nose that's just ready. That's nice, ready and roasty. Oh, yeah, those that just smells like malt. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah, so that's interesting. So it how are we going to get people to appreciate malt? It, it sort of falls in between them. It's a little bit more English than the Newcastle. It is, yeah. yeah. I think that's actually absolutely right. Like, I think it's that as a spectrum, you've got the Newcastle, which is nice, but kind of... Um, Way better than the Newcastle you may remember if you haven't had one since 2015. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's a good point. Like, go go find it if you can, because it's different now. Yeah. Um, it's probably more like it should be. Um, how do I put it? I don't want to slag it off, but it's sort of more... Simple? Yeah, that's exactly right. There's okay. just not a lot of complexity. There's there. not a lot of complexity, but it hits you with some roastiness. It's pretty roasty. And it's some, a roasty brown. Yeah, and some and some breadiness. But it's definitely a malt forward brown ale. It's nice. Indeed. And ours was really fresh and 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 quite quite nice. Uh, this block fifteen just takes that into a sort of a new level of complexity and depth. Yeah, yeah. it has. It has the same depth of malt character that the uh, Sam Smith has. It doesn't have that crazy yeast note. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, Sam, all Sam Smith's beer have that same kind of yeast. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you use the Yorkshire squares and those that ancient yeast, I mean, it's just creating a house character that's Im- impossible to, to escape or replicate, right? I think that's right. Yeah, it's very, very distinctive and it's cool. I mean, I, I love house I love character it, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. This is really, really traditional. Actually, yeah, this, this is so a good. fantastic beer. Like, uh, if you want to know whether you kind of like malt forward beers or really want to feature malt, like, this is a beer to try because this is just like malt in your face. It's true. And if you, you get, you get, uh, that, you get all the malts. You get the bread. You get, there's a little bit of chocolate in there. There's mm-hmm. some, uh, yeah. there is a little bit of roast. It's just a hint. It's just kind of a suggestion of roast. And a huge, huge kudos to to Nick and his staff that they didn't just like hop the shit out of this and decide we're going to make a Northwest version of brown ale. This is a really traditional brown. Yeah, it really is. Oh, so of, of course uh, he used uh, Maris Otter, which is where that bready note comes from. So there you go. Base malt, baby. They really attend to your base malts because it adds a lot of character and it's really noticeable. I mean, it's one of the, it's one of the things that makes it taste English. The second yeah, I if, taste there's it, a, if there's a, 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 I think a legitimate criticism you can have with this obsession about hops in the Northwest, which I don't think sustains much criticism because hops in the Northwest are amazing. That's right. It's that you kind of forget about malt. In fact, a modern IPA almost like tries to ignore, you know, has as neutral a malt as possible. Oh, there we are. And Four. so beer drinkers, I think, have forgotten what malts add to beer. It's 4.5%, which is even 
weaker than the, the Sam Smiths, which was impressive. Uh, and <laughs> Newcastle's 4.7, so there you go. That's yeah. uh, the weakest of the three, which is you would not expect with an American, but very, very well done. Um, I will mention one other thing before we, we close this up, which is uh, I have my own history with brown ales mm-hmm. and uh, a, a great a moment of innovation and invention <laughs> that I myself. Jeff uh, Allworth. Yeah. I, Portland, I, Oregon. I, I, <laughs> it, it turns out I discovered and invented dry hopping. Mm. Uh, Kudos. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. That's amazing. We, we, um, we, I was uh, brewing with uh, my friend Joe and an old friend who I haven't seen in a long time, uh, Mark. Uh, and we were possibly we were young guys, possibly drinking while we were brewing. It's possible. And we forgot to add uh, the last edition of hops uh, in the kettle. And <laughs> so we finished the beer and had it in the carboy, pitched the yeast, and we're cleaning up. And somebody discovered the package of hops that was supposed <laughs> to go in to the the finishing uh, yeah, at the finishing stage. And in it, in in a beer fueled moment of insight, uh, we or panic. Uh, yeah, well, it was panic, and it was we just kind of like. Just dump it in the carboy. Get it in the carboy quick. Uh, because, yeah, it was panic. We didn't know what we were doing, and we put it in the carboy. And then the, the character, of course, that we got out of it was really remarkable. Uh, and later, I was, I was quite – I was young enough that I didn't even know that dry hopping existed. Later, read about dry hopping and said, oh, look at that. We invented dry hopping. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. I didn't – I've heard the story before. I didn't realize it was a brownie. It was a brownie. It was called Basement Brown because we were in Mark's basement. Ah, there yeah. you go. Was it good in the end? It was. It was spectacular. It was one, because you dry hopped. Exactly. It was one of those reasons, and 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 it worked. The dry hopping worked really well because it didn't interfere with the presentation of the malt. It just kind of sat on top of it. And I think because it was a, a brown ale, I think we'd use something like lemon hops. They were this kind of herbal, spicy note on top, which harmonized really well with the malt. So. Okay, so the moral of the story, folks, is that brown ale is an underappreciated style. Malt-forward beers are underappreciated, and you should appreciate malts. That's right. Brown ale is a perfect entry into discovering and appreciating malts and malt flavors. Indeed, you get you get to taste all the malts, the base malts and specialty malts, and uh, yeah, it's a it is a cool style, and I really. Uh, appreciate Dan's suggestion that we look into it. Yeah, and maybe. Where do you go, Dan? Maybe we can convert like I don't know a half dozen people into brown ale drinkers, and then we'll have you know Dan. We'll have done our work. I don't know, man. I I, I just I feel it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Cask the ale, the malt forward beers, seltzers out, ales. brown ales. Yeah, in. exactly. <laughs> I think it's coming. I think we're actually like. We're a victim of our success in hops in Oregon. Oh, like, totally. I think we're going to be followers on this. Like I already know other places are better. Like I know Seattle has much better like, malt forward cascales than we do. But. Yeah. Although future, uh, future look, we may actually be catching up on, on cascales. But all right, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in later. the future. We're going to go cask hunting, maybe. That's right. Cask, all right. Cask fancying, as uh, I would like to advance the cask phrase. Fancy. Yes, because yes, he thinks it. By the way, listener, he thinks it's a cute pun on cat fancy. Yeah. Get it? Get it? Cat, fan, cat fancy or magazine. Cat fancy? Get it? Yeah. It's, it's genius. It's genius. So now, dear listener, you understand what I have to deal with on a oh, daily, I, daily basis. Oh, I, I am not a pun guy, but that pun is irresistible. It's so genius. Oh, we got to get to the mailbag. So uh, 
the first thing I want to talk about with the mailbag is not something you have on the script, but I tweeted out this thing about how English pubs, since we're talking about brown ales, are facing a shortage of beer. And in the article I referenced, it said they're having a hard time stocking Carl, beers like Carling and Coors. And I said, well, that doesn't sound like such a problem to me. <laughs> God forbid you've got to stock things like Green King and Fuller's and Dark Star and Marble and whatever. Right. <laughs> like a lot of good domestic beer. But it was pointed out to me in the mailbag. I'm going to call it mailbag, even though it was just a response to my tweet, uh, that the big problem in, uh, because I mentioned if this is a problem of Brexit, then, you know, that's maybe one silver lining because I'm not a Brexit fan. Uh, but they pointed out to me that one of the issues of Brexit right now, which I've also heard from my mother and sister who live in London, is that there's a shortage of truck drivers. And so stuff just isn't getting to places that it's supposed to get. So it doesn't really matter whether it's domestic or, or foreign. Uh, because I realized, wait a minute, I saw a big giant massive Coors Brewery in Burton-upon-Trent. That's right. So there's no issue of domestic Coors. There's plenty of Coors being brewed in England yeah. at Burton-upon-Trent, which, you know, God will have his judgment on Judgment Day on that. But It's true. <laughs> it's true. The people who pulled the trigger on that are going to have some explaining to do. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway uh, uh, that was an interesting aspect of Brexit right now, which is just that there's, you know, a labor, speaking of, we talked about labor, we talked about this pod or last pod? We last pod. Last pod. Two, we do two in a row, so I can't, I can't Fourth remember. Fourth wall, man. Yeah, thank you. But last pod, we talked about labor issues, and this is a labor issue with Brexit, which is that some of these jobs are having a hard time finding fulfillment. That makes sense. All right. The other mailbag, we're back to Peter K. Kevan. 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 Yeah, I, I put a call out because we had a really anemic mailbag, and so I will put out a, a call here, please. Uh, we, ha we had you had done great work there, uh, and we were had a nice full mailbag for a while, but now it, it has gotten thin again. So send us your questions, comments, observations, whatever. Yeah. Any, any chatter you have, we'll take. Uh, but anyway, Peter responded on Twitter to my plea. So this is a fantastic a question it which is. I have no answer to, but I actually think it would be a great thing for us to start asking brewers, which is shopping the ABV dollars ratio. Is it a thing? Is it growing in popularity? And if so, how will it change brewing? And what made me immediately think of this is when we did our IPA challenge, we had Elysian Space Dust, um, which is now an AB. 13.7%. <laughs> exactly. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> eight point, it's eight point something. Yeah. Uh, but it's an, a hazy IPA. But it's on, yeah, it's got massive ABV. Uh, and I wondered that whether that was an intentional marketing, like we're going to give people stuff that will get them normal drunk. Yeah. Like that's what's going to sell it. And I wonder how much it works. And so it would be a fascinating question to ask people if they think about it, especially when we were talking about brown ales. Now brown ales are not like this squirrel stash was what, 4.5%. Five. 4.5%. Yeah. So if people are shopping ABV, and it's also true that ABV is now almost uh, universal on labels. Mm -hmm. Not entirely, but almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. So and if you're really, if you're shopping for it, you'll find it. And so I'm wondering, is that a bit significant segment of the market? I bet it Which is. Which is what Peter asked, but I don't have an answer. Yeah, I bet it is. I, I, I can give you some anecdata, uh, which is I have a couple of friends. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who are who, who really shop this way and uh just last night 
uh, these are my nerdy gaming friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, gaming night was last night, and I noticed that Joe was really into Starburst IPA from Ecliptic. Right. And he's not actually an IPA guy. Right. Uh, he doesn't hate IPAs. So he doesn't really go after them. This is the Joe of uh, inventing dry hopping together, Joe. <laughs> um, and then, then I poured one out, and I happened to pick up the can and look at it, and I think it's like 7.8%. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, it became very clear to me why Joe was buying these because yes. he still definitely looks at value. You know, he's looking at that ratio, that exact ratio. He's yep. thinking he's yep. not yep. he's not good enough at math to actually do the price per ounce or you know per alcohol unit, but uh, but that's how he thinks. But he has an intuitive sense. Yeah. And in the UK, of course, they often sell beer at a price point that's relative to the ABV. Yeah, and in many countries. Uh, Alcohol after a certain percentage will be taxed extremely high, right. and so if you you know if you try to brew an eight percent beer, uh, you know you'd be taxed so it would be so severe the tax that you couldn't sell it at the same price. So, right. then, but that's not true in the U.S. That's right. So go ahead and brew a space dust at eight point whatever four percent or whatever it is. Yeah, and people will say, "Oh, wait a minute, I can buy a six for the price of a six pack, I get two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. People aren't dumb. Uh, okay. Next mailbag entry, Jeff. All right. We have Kyle Novice, a uh, longtime commenter, uh, also racing to reach on Twitter to mm-hmm. give us something in the mailbag. Thank he you, asks, Kyle. What's that? I said, thank you, Kyle. Yep. He asks, uh, or comments related and kind of asks, uh, Slovenia, Styria, has a hop growing tradition, but I've never come across any styles of beer connected to it. What gives? Uh, well, you kind of have uh, one of the kind of classic uh, hops from that region is Styrian Golding, mm-hmm. which is actually an English uh, comes. It's it, it's derived from England. Care to guess which hop? East Kent Golding. Careful. You're wrong. <laughs> you just led me into I that little did. bit. I just saw your face like that when I said that. I know. No, actually, the Fuggle. I don't know oh, why they call it the Golding fuggle. because they got confused somehow. It got, you know, it got down there to Slovenia. So Slovenia is, uh, for folks who don't know where it is, it is south of Austria, which is south of Germany. Mm-hmm. And Styria is a region that is on both sides of the border. So there's Styria uh, in Slovenia and, and also in uh Austria, mm-hmm. and in the, the uh, a, a huge number of those hops go straight into Austrian beer. Mm-hmm. So uh, it see. is actually a big part of the Austrian uh, uh, beer market as well. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, except for Czech Pilsner, there's not very many styles that are like super fixed with a hop. But, right. um, but there are many styles that get a lot of their character from. From hops and Styrian Golding is an interesting one. I think Styrian Golding is is the main hop in uh, Saison Dupont, possibly. Oh, really? Uh, so it, it, it finds its way into various beer styles. Right. It's a it's a kind of a, a nobly uh, English kind of thing, and it, it does pick up a bit of terroir. Um, so it gets more noble down there uh, in that in that country. So um, yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, a a minor hop growing region in one way, but they're also kind of important in, in, in to, to beer places that we don't necessarily pay attention to, but probably should more often. Because mm-hmm. I think actually uh, the uh, the Austrian beer, the Austrian mass market beer there, which they'll call Mersen, this should be everybody's looking for the new beer style to make, like Mexican 
you know, Mexican lager, Japanese lager, mm-hmm. tech dark lager. People should make an Austrian Märzen because they are really cool beers mm. and they're, they're made it. They're kind of a broad style. Uh, it's a mass market beer, but they kick ass. And the reason it's uh, people have had a hard time starting craft beer brewing in Austria mm-hmm. is because everybody's like, why? Märzen's great. Like, like, our beers are, <laughs> exactly. Why would we need this thing? We don't, we don't need a, a corrective to the mass market because the mass market is awesome. Right. Um, so, and a, and a lot of those hops are grown for, for Austrian beer. Um, so anyway, uh, the, and the other thing I will just add, and then we can get out of here. I know we're running long, even though I didn't think I had anything to say about uh, brown ales. <laughs> is um, the, the in Slovenia they've they've initiated a whole new uh, breeding program, just like they have in many places, for juicy kind of modern hops. Uh, and yeah. so the Styrian name is now affixed to a lot of things like Wolf and Cardinal other things and they produce the much more juicy flavors and and you'll see those infrequently but you, they're starting to filter into the american market and they, they go into things like ipas now instead of uh classic lagers so Fantastic. so slovenia is coming on all right well that was an amazing answer to a great question thanks kyle and jeff all right a few words going out Please subscribe to us on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate us. Five stars, please. That helps other listeners find the show. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, so please send your question or comments to jeff at beervanablog.com or on Twitter at beervanapod. Jeff blogs at the Beervana blog, and he tweets at Beervana. And Patrick tweets at Beeronomics. All right, so we have the uh, Squirrel Stash from Block 15. This is a fantastic beer. If you want to know what a malt-forward beer tastes like, Start here. That's right. You want to see the joys of malts? This is a good beer to start with. Yeah, you really, and you should. Brown ales forever. Yay! Cheers, Patrick. Cheers.